We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to the Sooner Sports Podcast. Uh, share Soonersports.tv slash podcast. Uh, and, of course, make sure you follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. Coming up in this week's edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast, you'll hear from Anna Anusa. Our Oklahoma Farm Bureau Sooner Born, Sooner Bred feature this week is on Anna. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because not only did she come in as an extremely ballyhooed recruit, but she's had an incredible start to her career, and she has a strong relationship with Trey Young. So you'll hear kind of how these two student-athletes at Oklahoma work together and how they help each other out. Speaking of Trey Young, a lot of Trey Young talk coming up here in just a bit with Toby Rowland as we recap Tuesday night's Sooners win over Baylor. And then later in the podcast, if you missed Baseball Media Day, Skip Johnson, incredible at the podium. You know, I guess – Four or five episodes ago, we had Skip on with us, and it was really fun. He's got an amazing personality. But we'll talk a little bit more, and we'll hear a little bit more about the pieces for Sooner Baseball and how they fit as we head into the 2018 campaign, which is still a few weeks away. But a week from today, our podcast will originate from Phoenix, Arizona, which will be the site of the opening weekend of Sooner Softball. So we'll have Coach Gasso. Uh, Kelsey Arnold is in our Oklahoma Farm Bureau Sooner Born, Sooner Bred spotlight next week, and I hope to hear from Paige Parker, Paige Lowry, uh, Kaylee Clifton, among others. What a star-studded squad they have coming back this year. 
back-to-back national champs. Huge target on their back, but it's destined to be fun with what Oklahoma has coming back with softball. In the meantime, uh, let's let's get after it, shall we? Because it's been so fun over the last calendar year, if you will, to see the incredible talent that we've had roll through this campus from Baker Mayfield and what he did winning the Heisman Trophy, another Big 12 championship, the Sooners garnering a berth in the Final Four. It was an incredible year for Baker Mayfield. And then you segue to basketball, and it's almost as if we didn't skip a beat, and Trey Young's skills on display on Tuesday night. Bounces it into Kadeem, back to Trey. Working behind a Latin pick, goes left, backs it up, shoots a three, 28 feet, got him another one. The kid's ridiculous. 84-81. Clore hits Lacock Curley, right wing three is in the air, no good. In traffic, rebound, Kareem, he ripped it away from Vital. Two to tie, three for the lead. Young hits the gas to the baseline, got deep, bounce in traffic, he gets it back. Circles back in the paint, step through, floater off the glass and in! We're tied! Ron Kruger says, I want another one if he makes it. Second one in the air, in and out, no good. Mastin picks up the rebound, three would beat him. McClure with two, stops, fires a three for the win, missed it! Unhitch the wagon and put the ponies in the barn! Woo! Sooners survive in Norman. Final score, Oklahoma 98. And Baylor 96. We kick things off here on the Sooner Sports Podcast on this Friday edition by catching up with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. And an incredible night for not just Trey Young, 40-plus points, but this entire Sooner basketball team as a whole. I thought the starters, well, four of them, Cam didn't have a great night, but uh, Trey, Brady, Kadeem, and Roe all played really, really well last night. They scored 93 of their 98 points. Um. Yeah, and to, you know, two point win over Baylor is not at home is not anything necessarily to go having a parade about because Baylor's not great this year. But I mean, they're all tough. Uh, if you can get a, a win, a check in that win column, home or away, however it is, you don't, you know, you don't look twice at it. They they got to get better on defense. Yeah, this is a Baylor team though too. That has been so close this year. I mean, the but the 9-0 run by Kansas to finish the game had a six-point lead mm-hmm. in that in, in fog out. I think uh, Saturday we will see OU play some zone, maybe maybe a significant amount of zone. And this is not I have not any inside information. I'm just guessing. Knowing Texas's roster, um, they don't shoot the ball very well from outside. And uh, OU certainly isn't guarding man-to-man very well right now. So, I'm just a hunch. We saw it a little bit against Oklahoma State. Yep. It worked well. And it worked well, yeah. Why? I'm a little surprised they haven't gone back to it more. Why is there that struggle man-to-man? Did, does Kevin see just minor fundamental breakdowns? Do you see, I mean, I, I hate to say effort issues because you never want to question that. But what's what's wrong right now with that man-to-man? You know, defense? last night the rotations were just a little bit slow. Like, they would help out if, if – uh, Luala Chwil got it deep. They would try to help out Kadeem, and then on the kickout, they were a little late on the rotations to find the guy, and there was open shots in the corner or whatever the case may be. A couple of the shots that uh, LeConte hit were just great shots. I mean, he was curling off a screen with somebody in his back pocket, and he still hit it. That was like NBA-type stuff. But almost all of Omot's threes, he was open. I mean, he was just right. he was open in the corner, so... I think that's just kind of either slow on the rotations or not knowing where you're supposed to be or 
whatever. I, I do think they're a little rattled on that end right now. Like they're a little kind of second guessing themselves. They know that they're not playing well on that end, so they're a little hesitant with some of some of the things they're doing. He tried to switch into a zone there a couple of times in the second half, and there was some confusion on who's supposed to be where, and it left Lacant open for a three, and so. You kind of got to go back to the drawing board here a little bit, I think, defensively. I, I, I will say, I remember a couple of years ago, we would joke about you coming up with different ways to say three good or different. Yeah. Are you running out of adjectives with Trey Young yet? Yeah. Uh, I tweeted something about that last night. I'm, uh, I don't know what else to say about the kid, really. And it, it's amazing that it hasn't not become, uh, it hasn't become unamazing yet. Right. Like, you would think by now we would be a little bit numb to the 30-foot three, but every time he pulls up and shoots it, I'm still like, I can't believe he's shooting it from there. <laughs> still. So, uh, he's, he was great last night. Thank goodness he was great because they needed it. It was good to see him, too. I thought he was really smart late in the game when they're behind. Kind of the immature thing to do there is start jacking up threes. We're down four. got to get him back in a hurry, you know, and pull up for a 35-footer or whatever. And he didn't do that. He drove by guys. He would draw and dish to Kadeem, or he'd get himself deep for layups or get fouled and get to the line. I thought he showed some real composure there in the last two minutes when they were behind, not taking ill-advised shots. Attacking. Attacking, yeah. You know, there is so much focus right now on Trey Young. And he continues to drop jaws, and understandably so. You know, I, I thought what he said after the Baylor game was pretty telling of a guy who's constantly evaluating ways to make himself better. Here, here was the quote, and it really stood out to me for Trey after the Baylor game. I don't think you can say I was inefficient tonight. I remember against Oklahoma State, I had a lot of points but wasn't efficient. But I was glad that I was very efficient, and my teammates did a great job of scoring as well. Obviously, Trey's referring to the 48.39 shot performance against Oklahoma State. But what he did on Tuesday, and Toby alluded to this, was he was the aggressor. He was attacking. His his ability to draw fouls is pretty epic right now. And again... Getting to the free throw line, doing more than just settling for the long-range jumpers. Sure, that's a part of his game, but it's not his whole game. He had 19 free throw attempts against Baylor, which means now in the country, Young is number six in the country in fouls drawn. That's according to Ken Palm, for those of you that love the analytics side of things. So you combine his quickness with his ability to shoot from anywhere, and opposing defenses are really tied up, which is a good thing. We'll see how Texas handles the Trey Young show. That'll be this Saturday. Toby will be back with us on Tuesday to recap everything. I'm, you know, one other thing. I, I keep saying one other thing, but you really can't. You can't do that with Trey Young. As we get set to hear from Anna Anusa, she's great friends with Trey, and we'll get into their relationship. But Trey Young graced the cover of Slam Magazine. And in late January, the mostly NBA-featured mag during the season swore that its preseason cover of Marvin Bagley III and Michael Porter Jr. would serve as the only college covers of the season. But Trey Young has done more than rearrange mock drafts, writes Slam Magazine, and he's done more than 
rearrange the itineraries of NBA scouts. But think about this. And from this article, all the great stories on trade, this is what stayed with me. He's rearranged the media coverage of college basketball, this publication included. How cool is that? Let that simmer for just a bit. I mean, this is must, for those of us that are maybe Gen Xers, this is must-see TV. This is this is the Thursday night lineup on NBC. This is this is the greatest show right now going on, maybe in sports. You can't lead off Sports Center without hearing about Trey Young or watch Sports Center. It's a lead story. Um, you can't watch college basketball without his name being brought up. It's incredible. Embrace it. Enjoy it. Uh, immerse yourself in it. And if there is any chance you can get tickets at all to any of the remaining games for the Oklahoma men's basketball team, I would highly suggest you do it. I think they're all sold out from here on out, but the Sooners will take on Texas this Saturday at 5.15, and then it's West Virginia on, I guess, what is still kind of to some people, Big Monday at 8 o'clock in Norman. All right, let's talk a little bit about another team who had a big win this week. Up top to Goodrich, he drives right of the lane, shot blocked by Vivi. Gets it off now to Yanusa, two on two. Anna driving down on Goff, goes right to the basket, and she scores. What an aggressive play by Anna Yanusa. Really strong finish. The OU women's basketball squad picked up a big win. They won two of their last three games. They routed Kansas State 68-49. to Another double-digit performance from standout freshman Anna Anusa. Anna finds herself in this week's Oklahoma Farm Bureau Sooner Born, Sooner Bred spotlight. And obviously... It's been an incredible season statistically, but we always like to go back to the roots. We like to go back to the start. And we kick things off with the Sooner freshman by asking, what was her first experience, memory, thought about Oklahoma Sooner women's basketball? Take me back to the genesis. What's your first memory of OU basketball? Um, I remember my first uh, game I came to. I was probably about seven or eight years old, and I came with my uh, AU team, Oklahoma Select. And we all came up here and watched. Uh, Courtney Paris was playing. Ashley Paris was playing. Uh, D-Rob was playing, so uh, there was so many people in the gym. It was a really big game. I don't even know who they were playing, but it was a really big game, and it was just the atmosphere was, like, really crazy. From that moment, were you just kind of sold on wanting to come here? Yeah, I mean, I've always, I've always been an OU fan, but that first game, I knew that's where I wanted to go after um, that game that I came to. Take me back even further then. You and basketball, what started the love affair? When did you know that this was going to be something you wanted to do? Like coming... Just basketball, basketball in general. Um, I used to be... My family grew up in uh, like in the gym, but gymnastics. Oh, wow. My mom was a gymnast and my dad was a coach. So we grew up uh, in that type of gym, so not a basketball gym. But um, then after gymnastics, I stopped and started cheering. Didn't like cheering. I thought it was too girly, so I tried basketball. And um, it just came natural to me. Um, I loved it, and ever since that first game I played, I started in second grade, so ever since that first game I played, I knew I wanted to play basketball. If Anna Anousa had decided to go all in on gymnastics, <laughs> would she be with KJ Kindler right now doing <laughs> OU Women's Gym? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Just like I said, OU fan my whole life, so if gymnastics was the route I would have taken, I still would have came here if can, I could. Can you take me through the process of what – recruiting was like for you and then you know when you finally made that decision you made your decision pretty early to come to Oklahoma on what was that experience like for you um well I watched all my um just all my teammates kind of they weren't necessarily stressed but they had so many 
places that they were thinking about going and um, for me to just have it narrowed down like I already knew where I wanted to go and that was my first offer and it happened so early so um, I didn't have to really stress about anything I could just you know play like in high school just play how I know how to play and not stress about playing too hard or anything like that. Is there anything that surprised you personally about the immediate impact you've been able to make or is it all about what you expected? Um, it doesn't necessarily surprise me because the the people I have around me, um, I think I've been able to make such a great impact because of them. Um, just all of them, they all they make you better. So um, and they make you comfortable. When you kind of look at this freshman class with yourself and Shane and Mandy, I mean it, that's a pretty solid group right there. And with you know the limited number of players you have you know you're going to get an opportunity to play. So how excited do you get for the future of this program with this freshman class that is all contributing this year? Um, it's really exciting for me. Um, we have three, um, and we all play different positions. And so when our when the freshmen come in, we all we have, like, Mandy knows how to play the post and the four, so she can, whoever's going to play the post and the four, she can come in and help them out. And then same with me for a guard and same with Shana for a uh, point guard. So it's it's going to be really helpful. So for you, would you describe yourself as a gym rat when you're not uh, around practice? Do you like to be putting up shots? Do you like to be working on your game? Yeah, I do. Um, but I'm one of those people that, like, coming in late at night and just – it just be really chill, soft music, and just uh, just shooting. So, yeah, I would say I am. But you know, there's another high-profile freshman on campus right now playing basketball, and you guys actually have a pretty good relationship. But it's competitive as well too. <laughs> How did you and Trey Young become friends, and what's that relationship like? Um, we became friends in high school of our freshman year, um, just because of basketball. You always see each other everywhere, yeah. probably. <laughs> so we became friends then, and then our relationship, we were really close, um, really real with each other. Um, Trey helps me out with basketball, and I help him out more with just, like, life situations. But um, we're both there for each other, and we come to every single one of our home games, and we're just really supportive of each other. We have now, a good relationship. Is there, like, a horse relationship, pig <laughs> relationship? What do you guys usually play? Yeah. Um, I mean, we play some one-on-one, -on -one, not necessarily all the time, but um, we play horse a lot. And, um, I mean, every time we're in here, we're either playing horse or pick up. But, yeah. I hear you dominate him in horse. Is this true? It, it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I've probably beaten him like three times in horse. Um, but we played a lot of times. But I still beat him those three times. So. Hey, hold on to those three times. Okay, so it's interesting <laughs> because this has been a big conversation. I don't know if I've ever seen a media spotlight like he has on him. You know, you turn on Sports Center and they're talking about Trey Young. Yeah. What can you even begin to put into terms what that's like and how hard it would be to handle that? Because you talk to him like you said yeah. a lot, but I can't even imagine that. You know, I think he handles it really well. Um, he's he knows like what he can do, and um, you know he has a great support group around him, his family and his friends, and I think he handles it really well. I mean, I'm sure it's tough, but for the most part, he handles it really well. How about for you personally, what's it like to be able to play in front of family, to be close to home, and, you know, you're getting ready for a big stretch here for this team, trying to put yourself in postseason position, but it's got to be reassuring to see your family there for every game they can make it to. Um, it's, it's really the best feeling ever. That's what I really wanted when I came here is to be able to play in front of my family. And when I say my family, literally my whole family, my cousins, <laughs> uncles, grandparents, great-grandparents. So it's, it's exciting. Hey, you know, obviously, a couple more here. TK's trying to ruin our interview. Um, no, it's okay, TK. Maddie is sitting next to us, too. And I think about Gabby, and I think about the senior class. Uh, how have they helped you adjust? What's kind of been the role that they've played in your development, not just as a player, Anna, but also being a college freshman, being away from home? Um, 
they played a they put a really big impact on um, all of us. Um, just whether it's with basketball, with school, with friendships, with anything that just comes with college, they're always there. And I know that if I have a question about anything, I can go to either, any of them. What's your relationship with been like with the coach Cole? How much has she meant to you? Yeah, um, she's a tough coach to play for. Um, she expects the best from you, and that's, I mean, that's a great thing. I, I know I can always try to give her my best, and um, I'm going to be great at the end of my four years because of her. And so. Um, She's a great coach, and I love playing for her. What's been the biggest on-court adjustment for you going from high school to, to Big 12 basketball? Um, I would say defense. Um, I wasn't really a defensive player at Choctaw. They always put me on the worst <laughs> player side so in foul, so, um, and I still managed to foul. But um, I would say defense, and um, I've really grown as a defensive player, just defensive IQ and physically like just physically moving and being in the right spots you know and the physical side of it too is one that's always impressive to me because it's a whole new world and it's not just working out it's it's nutrition too yeah. isn't it yeah it is um we have we have a nutritionist and take our vitamins and protein and stuff like that so I mean it's I'm not the healthiest person but <laughs> they make sure I get that stuff hey I'll wrap it up with this and this is a very generic question so you can swat it away if you want or give it your best answer but what does it mean to you to be a sooner uh, it means everything to me, um, especially with my my dad playing here. He wrestled here, um, and just growing up a sooner, my like my whole life. And so, just to finally get to be here and to hopefully leave a legacy here, it means so much to me, and I'm very proud to be one. His pops ever drive around campus and go, yeah, that's where I used to yeah, wrestle. <laughs> actually, behind Headington, he he used to live in one of those houses back there, and so he's always like, I lived right there. You know? <laughs> Pretty incredible season for. Anna Anusa, and she she's one of those players that just keeps getting better throughout the season. She is currently fourth on the team in scoring. She is averaging 12.5 points per game and has been very strong as a guard, grabbing 4.1 rebounds as well, too. She is going to be a name to know for a long time here at the University of Oklahoma. And speaking of big games, Saturday – 2 o'clock, Lloyd Noble Center, the play for K game. It's Oklahoma and West Virginia. Now, if you want to learn more about just how meaningful the play for K game is to OU women's basketball, check in our archives, the show from Wednesday. Uh, I think it's Cootie and Meg episode two as they go in-depth with Jan Ross, Sherry Cole, and just how important the play for K game is for OU women's basketball. All right, let's wrap things up with a trip around media days. That's baseball media days. And Skip Johnson took to the podium to get everybody ready for this 2018 campaign for OU baseball. Fall went well. We don't have much time in the fall. We've got 30 days that we can practice in the fall. Um, we go through that. We have a lot of returning guys uh, this year. Uh, went to a regional last year. And um, the biggest thing that we really uh, focused on this year is trying to set our our coaches' tones on what, you know, practicing game like, making sure that the, these guys are uh, um, ready to play uh, every day, you know, coming out and practicing, working hard. Three things that we really focus on throughout the fall was commitment to team, our work ethic, and uh, uh, practicing game game like every day. So it's uh, uh, the culture is what we're trying to accomplish and try to get these guys staying on the same page, communication with them, and uh, um, 
just excited. I'm, this is my first year to be a head coach. I was a head coach at uh, Navarro Junior College for 13 years and excited to be a Division I head coach of a great program and looking forward to the upcoming spring season. Uh, sorry we're a little bit late. Uh, getting in this place is like getting into Fort Knox. Couldn't hardly find a place to park. So uh, um, this was our fourth practice today. We ran over from uh, a six-inning inner squad to get over as fast as we could because we only have uh, three hours to practice a, a day with them. So I appreciate you everybody coming out and, and uh, um, open up for questions. You know, since you, know, you have so many guys returning, how far do you feel like your team is further ahead maybe than you were at this point last year? I think they're comfortable. I think they're comfortable with each other as far as their team camaraderie. Um, I think that's a, a, a big deal. Um, as far as getting in our, the way we practice, the way our coaches handle the practice, I think it, they've uh, made a big jump. When you do have so many starters coming back, what are your ideas on the back end for the bullpen-wise? Good question. Uh, um, I think what I'll do is like my dad used to pray bills. He used to put them in a cowboy hat and uh, uh, pull them out. So we got to put all, everybody's name in a hat that we're going to use on the back end and pull the guys out. And if that's guys the day he's going to get called on, that's the day he's going to get called on. But right now it's still up in the air. We're still, uh, uh, you know, we have the relievers throwing every other day and the starters throwing once a week right now. Could you talk about your starting rotation? And I know some of these guys are back from last year, but what do you see in your rotation right now? Well, you look at Jake at the top end of it. Then you look at Devin. Um, you know, Kyle Tyler threw a lot for us last year as well. Um, and we have a freshman named Kay Cavalli that will probably start as well. And you kind of mix those guys in. Uh, an upcomer we had last year that had, is coming fighting back from uh, labrum surgery is Lane Ramsey. We've been kind of starting him and Dylan Grove as well. And you just kind of mix those guys in, see how their confidence goes throughout the uh, early spring going into our, our first weekend in Myrtle Beach. What have, you, what have you seen from Jake and maybe some areas where he's uh, improved from a year ago? I think, I, I think the confidence is where he's grown the most. Uh, going out every day that uh, uh, understands having the mindset I'm, I'm going over and, and I'm going to give my best effort every day. I'm going to give my team a chance to win and get out there. It doesn't matter who they're pitching. It matters what our mindset is when we take, take the mound. If they're throwing a, a good pitcher, we're going to go out and establish what we have to establish going out there day in and day out, having confidence and and one pitch at a time, understanding what that one pitch at a time means and being in control yourself. That's what he's gotten really a lot better at. Offensively, Steele Walker is such an exciting player. Where do you think you'll hit him in the lineup? And where, where do you see him? Is he going to play left, right, center? Where is he going to play for you, do you think? Uh, you know, with Kyler Murray coming out, we put him, moved him over to uh, center field, and they're going to mix. Uh, Steele can play center field. He can play right. He can play left. Uh, he best suits us to play center and right field. Um, that's why we're a little bit late. He was in there combing his hair. So uh, uh, we made sure that we got here on time. But uh, it's just a joke. But uh, uh, yeah, he's a great player. and He's been a great leader through the fall. And uh, um, early spring, he's had a really good early spring. I think he had uh, a hit and a couple walks today. You mentioned Kyler. Kyler. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, no. How does Kyler work? Kyler's doing well. I mean, he's uh, uh, establishing going out there. The defensive side is where he's going to 
uh, struggle a little bit. He's got to get a lot of reps defensively. He was an infielder in high school when he played two years ago, and being transitioned to outfield and, and playing left last year, and us putting him in center this year, that's where he needs the reps. Uh, as far as tracking pitches early this spring, we have him hitting early in the lineup um, so he can get more at bats. He can try to catch up on at bats. And having tracking pitches in the uh, uh, bullpen today, he tracked pitches when Jake threw his bullpen for his Friday start this Friday. What was that process like with uh, Lincoln working out the schedule for, for Tyler? I think with the new rules that we have, it's still kind of difficult. Uh, Lincoln was good with it. I mean, he was uh, both of us been in communication and been on board. That's what's so um, comforting. You know, he's, you know, we're both looking out for the welfare of the, the student athlete and making sure that he's, you know, we comply, that he gets his right days off, that he needs to get off. And uh, uh, he's lifting with our baseball team, and then he's doing some stuff with the football team when he's available until they start spring season. And then uh, we'll be in communication with that as well. I know, I know Cade had a good fall. How's he been looking this spring? Cade swung the bat really well this fall and this spring so far. He's taken really mature at bats. One thing that I've noticed with Cade, luckily that I've been here, I was here last year, is when we moved him from uh, the infield to the outfield, it gave him a lot of confidence. And uh, uh, that confidence has carried over into this fall and this spring. He's really matured as a baseball player, Cade Harris has. How do you see your infield working out? You have some good options in there, a lot of guys, a lot of competition. You know, with losing Jack Flansburg last year, we had Browley that DH'd. Browley can play third. A young freshman, Tyler Hardman um, and Cavalli, they'll switch out. Depends on how many, you know, where uh, Cavalli throws or not. They also both, all three can play first base. And in the middle, you have Kyle Mendenhall that'll play second and Brandon Zaragoza that'll play uh, shortstop. But uh, um, our freshman class is a lot, has a lot of talent. Um, there are a lot of prospects. Now we've got to build them into being ball players, uh, and that's what we've we've been working on. What about oh, go ahead, Jay. What, what about behind the plate? Behind the plate, we've got four guys. Um, you know, Dom has in, been in the lead. Him and Lindsley, uh, Brady Lindsley is the other. He's a left-handed hitter. Um, we have Mitchell that's, that came on, and you have a switch hitter freshman from here in Norman named Justin Cook that's really swung the bat early spring really, really well. So uh, uh, the speed of the game will determine with Mitchell and uh, uh, Cook. And, you know, with Dom, you know, he really missed a lot of the year last year because he had Tommy John. So he's transitioning in, and if we can get Dom playing at 90%, being comfortable playing at 90% because he's a plus-plus athlete and he's a plus runner and he's got plus power. I mean, he was a freshman All-American. I think if I'm not right to say this, he hit 10 home runs as a freshman. I think Brendan would uh, – uh, am I right, Brendan? Yeah. So, uh, uh, I mean, he you can tell he's got the power. It's just getting him to play at 90% and being under control and being in control of himself. How much are those guys pushing him? I mean, how – how much space is there between him and the rest of those guys, Tom? Not a lot. You know, it's just the little bitty things as far as maybe uh, uh, understanding the speed of the game, understanding how to handle the pitching staff and stuff like that. Um, I think that's the probably one of the in, – in, in all athletics, you, 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 we talk about being healthy. And what means – what do you mean being healthy is you have somebody there that's going to push the guy that's in front of them. Uh, in, in professional baseball, it's like you have a prospect and you, you get a guy that's an organizational guy that's going to push the guy that's in front of him and make him who he's supposed to be. 
but uh, uh, that's, I think that's probably one of the positions besides the mound that is really healthy, guys that are going to push other guys on to getting even better. Stoney was kind of the power guy for, for a few years. How, do you have a guy that you're going to see that fill, to fill that role? A power guy? Yeah. Um, as far as a guy with the, you know, the two freshmen we have, Hardman and Cavalli, those guys have a lot of power. I can see those guys in the future, you know, maybe hitting 10 or 15 home runs, not to say that they're going to. I don't expect that. I, and I learned that where I coached at before, the expectation level is uh, uh, something that you can't expect. You just got to go out and practice and, and, and play against the baseball and teach the kids to, to play against the baseball instead of the opponent. Derek Wilson was so good with his glove last year. Where, how has he progressed uh, with his bat? Well, you know, he hit a little uh, skid this uh, fall. He had a hurt back this fall, and he missed a couple months, so he missed some time that he could have got a little bit stronger. But uh, uh, as far as uh, uh, the bat, if he, hit a, if he hit 100, that's all that matters to me because I know if it's hit to him, you're going to get out. I mean, that's what kind of defender he is. Uh, I mean, he's a plus defender. His, his, uh, his, him being healthy is the biggest key for us right now is just to make sure that he's healthy day in and day out. What does that do for your pitching staff, knowing he's at short, and even the team itself knowing that it's hit to short, it's an out? Well, who's the best captain of all time? Derek Jeter. I mean, if they hit, you know, you look at having a – you see a great baseball team, you see a baseball team that has a – they're really good up the middle. They have a great shortstop. And most of the time uh, – that's who he is. That's what he's about. You mentioned the, the plan with Kyler and working with Lincoln. Lincoln's mentioned that it's a, he thinks it's a better plan than last year. How is the plan different from last year? I think because of uh, um, him getting up in the morning at 530, lifting with football, and now he's with, with lifting with the baseball guys. It, he, uh, he's not as tired when he comes out to practice. He under, I think that's the biggest, the, the biggest thing the plan is. He's lifting earlier with mm -hmm. the football. That's the, that's the change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. he, he lifted last year at 5.30 with the football team, so he got out to practice. He was a little bit beat up a little bit. And so now he's with him with the baseball team. That's helped him a lot transition into, you know, uh, uh, not getting up so early and making sure he's ready. Okay, so he's not doing football in the morning no. anymore. I no. What time do you all live? Uh, it depends on what group it is. They have a 9 o'clock group, uh, uh, they have an 8 o'clock group, and they have an 11.30 group. You mentioned Cavalli and Hardman, the freshman, but as far as the freshman pitchers you're bringing in, is anyone standing out to you so far? Yeah, um, a, a left-handed pitcher named uh, Levi Prater, he stood out. Uh, Matthews, uh, Zach Matthews had a really good day today. Um, those guys really have uh, really stuck out to me and our staff that, uh, you know, they go out and they pitch with confidence as long as they can stay within themselves and make it pitch to pitch. I mean, that's a – big mantra of what our pitching staff is. We're going to go out and try to be in control of ourselves and throw the ball to targets. Uh, um, that's the biggest thing in pitching. What's this offseason been like overall for you, making the transition from being a pitching coach to being a head coach again and being a head coach at the D1 level? I don't think it's been a lot different. I still got to deer hunt in November. Uh, but uh, uh, it's been fun. You know, it's coming out and going out through practice, really kind of setting the tone on practicing game-like. I think this, it, it, the fall went really well. Um, we went through, we, there was a lot of energy, and there's about six to eight days in there. It was like Groundhog Day. 
And in baseball, it can be like Groundhog Day where you're taking ground balls every day. It's the same old thing, same old thing. Then we got into our uh, uh, Crimson and Cream series, and uh, it was, the first game was kind of competitive. It really wasn't. Second game got a little more competitive and end up at the, the, the last game with a tying run at uh, second base or first base, and still Walker hit a, a, a hook ball down the, down the right field line, and Cade Harris dove and caught it, and the energy just jumped out of them. And that's what it's about, you know. It's, uh, it's about those guys having energy and being excited to be out there. Um, it was, you know, I think the most exciting thing for me to be a head coach was our first team practice uh, 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 last Friday. And it was trying to prepare for that day. It was like opening day when I was uh, in college, in, you know, when I was in, going into college. It was like really exciting. So then you have to calm yourself down, make sure you got everything's going in pieces, make sure that all the details fit in. We'll make sure that these guys are going to be in the right place at the right time and to learn. You know, the, the, the object of what me and Coach Overcash and Coach Van Hook and Coach Mischief we, what we try to do as much as anything is to have an a, a environment of learning. Wins and losses are important, they are, but it's more about winning and learning and understanding what the adversities are, and that's what we talk about every day because it's a game of failure. You mentioned you had Kyler doing some things, tracking baseballs and things. How has he looked so far hitting the ball, and has he improved in the bunt game? Is he working on the bunt game? He's even told me before he hates the bunt. I can understand that sometimes. but. Boy, with his speed, it looks like that could be a weapon for him. I think the biggest thing for him, that's one of our stations, is a bunt game. Um, we have a student, uh, a, uh, undergrad assistant, Jack Flansburg, and he's a baseball player that, you know, he's what they call a baseball player. And he, he's from California. He understands the bunt game, and he, that's his station, and he works really hard on it. Uh, bunting's about being selfless. It's about a guy that's not afraid of the ball. Um, and uh, I think he's really worked hard at that. Uh, but other than that, I think Clay Van Hook and Coach Overcash uh, really worked on his approach, not because he's so athletic and he's so dynamic, not starting and stopping. And they've got him a little leg kick that's made him stay behind the ball a little bit. Uh, today he hit a ball hard, uh, and he had one hit today, which was really good. How much of an advantage has it given you being around a year already before taking over? I think the biggest advantage for me is to understand their personalities. And uh, um, that's the intangible that we all leave out as coaches. We, you know, we don't ever really get wrong that they can run, jump, throw, run fast, or, or throw hard. Uh, we get the intangibles wrong. If they, you know, if they play with their mind, heart, I think that's the separator for us. And I understand their personality now. Um, how they go about their business day in and day out, understanding their personalities. I think that's one thing that helped me a lot as a, a, a transition into being the head coach. The Sooners have been picked to finish fourth in the Big 12 preseason poll. That just came out while we were recording this. They've got a big weekend planned with their Diamond Dinner that's coming up on Saturday night. And single-game tickets are on sale now. You can go to Soonersports.com or 800-456-GO-OU. A single-game ticket for a reserved box is just $15. General admission, just $10. And how fun is Skip Johnson 
to listen to. Man, thanks to Toby Rowland. Thanks to Anna Anusa. Thanks to Skip Johnson. Thanks to you. On Tuesday, Toby Rowland will join us to recap the trip to Austin. Uh, and then by that point on Tuesday, also recap that West Virginia game as well. That's going to be huge. Plus, softball preview next week as the season gets underway. Can't wait. Everyone have a great weekend. And until Tuesday, Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.